Okay, welcome back to the uh, the pregame.com podcast golf uh, preview. Uh, we have an exciting week ahead um, at Torrey Pines at the U.S. Open. Uh, a lot of good value, a lot of good picks. I'm joined by James Letter. Quick intro about about uh, each other since uh, you know this is our first uh, live pod on pregame. My name is Will Doctor. I, I've played golf my entire life. I played in high school at IMG Academy where I met James. I went on to play uh, NAIA golf at Texas Wesleyan um, and now working in uh, media. You can find my work on pgatour.com. Uh, you can find it on sportsmap.hou. I look forward to, to, to sharing some knowledge with you all. James, you, if you want to give a quick intro, go ahead. Yeah, guys. Uh, my name's James Ledbetter. Uh, yeah, I met, like Will talked about, met Will at IMG Academy down in Bradenton, Florida. It was kind of the sports school, which is now the uh, mostly known for uh, football and basketball. But we were there first. Uh, yeah, so I graduated from Florida Gulf Coast University, uh, also known as Dunk City, if you, <laughs> you may know it that way. I played Wings on the up. golf team. Yeah, wings up. Uh, I played on the golf team there and uh, pretty much same thing as well. Been playing golf my whole life. Actually still playing right now, doing grinding on some mini tours, playing some Monday qualifiers. Uh, Going to be doing uh, Corn Ferry Q School uh, later in the year. So if all goes well, hopefully down the road, I'll be in your guys' uh, draft team's lineup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The goal is to see James on the odds, on the odds sheet. That That's the yes. goal. And, and, and no doubt, I, I think we'll Certainly a chance we'll see that. In fact, he just had a had an unbelievable finish yesterday at West Florida Tour. Uh, top five, right, James? Uh, yeah, I got a little T3 there. So uh, I got some money to to sprinkle on the U.S. Open this week. So I'm <laughs> yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, so we're going to we're going to go. We're going to we're going to quickly, quickly brush over the the, the Palmetto Championship. I know James has a, has a few uh, quick notes for us um, on that. And then we're going to kind of roll right into the favorites of uh, uh of us open at tory pines and some of our picks uh gonna be in and out today let's let's get it started james uh what, what did you see it's just such a crazy event last week there was uh almost no coverage on garrett garrett higo uh yeah. friday through sunday our eventual winner and obviously Chesson hadley uh quickly fell off you know what what were some of the things you saw uh, you know, down the stretch, and then maybe out of the favorites. Yeah. For so, first of all, the thing that kind of stood out was Congaree. Um, you know, when you have a, a winning total of like minus eleven, something you know as low as that, almost more similar to a major championship type score. It's really nice to see a you know a packed leaderboard. This wasn't a corn fairy event where twenty five under wins and the guy wins by seven shots. You know, we had a six way tie per second. We almost had a situation where there would have been a seven man playoff if Higo didn't, uh, you know, par that last hole. Obviously Chesson kind of gave it away at the end. Overall, really exciting tournament. Pretty cool to see, uh, you know, a new course in the rotation. I think there's definitely going to be some events there down the road, whether that be USGA or, or, you know, given the fact that minus 11 won, they obviously can host some big tournaments there and have no issues. Yeah, I agree. I, I think uh, obviously that the RBC will come back next year and and uh, I, I could see the PGA Tour bringing in this venue for for a tournament that that weighs a little bit more. But it was also yeah. a great event for some of these younger guys to get in um, and, and, and get a shot. I mean, such as Garrett Higo. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was the first guy to win his uh, second start since 1988. So obviously what he did there was a rarity in terms of literally jumping on the scene and just getting the dub. Uh, Will, what do you think of, you know, if Cantlay, you know, people were asking Cantlay to give his check to Rom about because of the, you know, the uh, COVID test that went array. Um, what do you think of maybe Higo having to donate a little to Chesson for giving him the, uh, the Palmetto? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw Jimmy Walker said that after, uh, after, after the Memorial, he, he said that uh, basically the winner should give their checks to Rom, but uh, you know, I, I, I thought, uh, I thought Chesson shot himself in the foot on Sunday, he hit what, what, four or five greens. Yeah, but that's just um, not going to get it done on a on a golf no, course like it's that. not. And I and I think on the PGA Tour, if, if you're going to do that with the lead, then I mean, yeah, it's four over seventy five for Chesson, bogeying eighteen. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I the 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 rest of the crowd at ten under and Garrick should just go ahead and split uh, Chesson's check. Yeah, and you know, just talking about going forward to U.S. Open, the reason I love and I don't know your thoughts on this tough golf courses is we had 20 guys finish within four shots of lead because because of the course playing so difficult, you really have kind of a clustered leaderboard. And uh, I think we're going to have a similar thing going forward to Tori. Will, do you just want to kind of discuss those favorites then from last week at Palmetto and see how they did? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll quickly review our, our, our favorites. Um, we can start off with, with DJ. You know, had two very good opening rounds, kind of slowed it down probably alter ego dj was like let me not win this the week before the u.s mm-hmm. um oh, we know how that track record goes he had a tie 10 finish little backdoor top 10 yeah he was pretty much in it the whole tournament until he tripled the the 16th hole it's it's funny it's almost like uh when a team's driving late and is on the goal line and they throw like a goal line interception and gets taken back the other way it's like a 14 point swing and it looks like that game wasn't that close. You know, DJ fin- ended up finishing four back, but really he was in it the entire tournament. So I think that it's a really good week heading into the U S open that, you know, it looks like he kind of backdoored his way into a top 10, but he was right up there. Absolutely. And there, there's some other heavy favorites that definitely started off strong and fell off um, mm-hmm. in, in the later rounds that Ian Poulter and Tommy Fleetwood, uh, yeah we're both hovering around three, four under through two rounds um, mm. and kind of just stalled during the weekend. Uh, yeah. I, I saw that out of, you know, almost four or five favorites. Uh, I think it's worth noting that Brooks Kepka missed the cut. Uh, yeah. And I just, I just want to yeah. add a little to that. Right. So Kepka was this, you know, the uh, uh, just second to DJ with eight to one odds to win. And I just want to talk about how, to me, I feel like the market overreacts to these missed cuts, right? So first of all, we know Kepka's had some knee issues, right? So and not give a shit issues. And not give a shit issues, right? So it's one of these things where does he, you know, obviously he cares about the tournament or he wouldn't really be playing, but relative to US Open, probably not caring too much. And it's one of those things where, okay, he missed the cut by two on a really difficult golf course. But it's also like, if he let's say he makes the cut on the number and shoots 68, 60 on the weekend. Then he, then he finishes, let's say tied 20 and no one's really freaking out about how Brooks Kepka is playing kind of coming into the event. So it's one of those things where 
the fact that Kepka missed the cut the week before the U.S. Open, you might be able to give him at a little bit better odds. And obviously, if he had a had a high finish, so I think you know, looking forward to the U.S. Open, that's one thing we can certainly take advantage of is people overreacting to missed cuts on difficult golf courses. Where you know the fact that he might have had two lip outs his last two or four holes, and that's the difference between him finishing T twelfth and oh my god, missed cut, tied eightieth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and he's so good at playing with the media. Of course, after the round, he goes into the media tent. And he's like, once again, well, these regular events don't really matter to me. And everyone just goes nuts. Um, yeah. Yeah. And luckily, uh, you know, Vegas knows better than to drop his odds for the U.S. But uh, yeah. let's so our DraftKings lineup head to head. Yeah. James pretty much flat out kicked my ass this week um, at the Palmetto. He also uh, took the win in, in our DraftKings lineup. Uh, James, how, how did your lineup fare out? You know, not too bad. I had um, Kisner and uh, Norin miss the cut on the number. Or, sorry, miss the cut by one shot, which was uh, brutal for the lineup. I really thought I was going to make some money this week in DraftKings. But, uh, you know, I'm just – sometimes you just got to be who you're playing against, right? So starting off 1-0 against Will, uh, I'll take it. I think my two, you know, I, I, I kind of made a, my fifth man w- was John Pock. Sixth man was John Huh. Uh, those two guys missed the cut uh, as well as Kazire. So, uh, you know, Lipsky finished well at eighth, but overall not the best week in DraftKings. Uh, any other notes for the Palmetto Championship? You know, not, not really. Just the one guy I'm kind of looking at heading heading into the U.S. Open is Tyrrell. He finished uh, second in in strokes gained, uh, tee to green at Palmetto, and he lost four strokes to the field putting. So he's a guy who, if he can get the putter rolling, I really like him next week. So let's roll into uh, the favorites at, at, at the at the U.S. Open. Uh, and, and let's start with with John Rom, who uh, you know is coming back after uh, so-called COVID nineteen, uh, but he he hasn't truly contended at a U.S. Open uh, despite coming third in two thousand nineteen at Pebble. Uh, mm-hmm. And however, based off how he's been playing the last couple of months, it's hard to see see past him. And I, and I think. Uh, f- from his play at the Farmers Insurance over the past, you know, five years, uh, you know, he really thrives at Tory. What do you think about Rom? If you want to talk about chips, you know, on shoulders, right? I think he's got a chip on both shoulders in terms of he had that memorial win in the bag, and uh, he's definitely going to come out this week with like, okay, I want to blow this field away because as you know, PC as he's been in terms of. You know, the PJ Tour did what they had to do. It's a learning experience. There's definitely some. Uh, I'm, he's definitely a little more PO'd than I uh, than I think he's kind of letting on. And I think he's really looking forward to taking it out on the field. He's uh, tenth in uh, strokes gained tee to green this season. So he's obviously you know he's elite ball striker. That's his thing. And uh, he just honestly has no weaknesses in his game which makes him one of the best players in the world. So um, he has a, he's won on this golf course before his first PJ tour victory was on this golf course. He got engaged uh, on this golf course in terms of kind of right off the beach there. Uh, 
he uh, proposed to his fiance there. And uh, he says, you know, you know, his, in his hometown of Spain, the, probably the closest thing to it in, US, in the U.S. is kind of that Torrey Pine shoreline. So just comfortable. And I think he's just going to be in it all week. Yeah, I, I certainly think kind of the, the wider aspect of Tory uh, will certainly help a bomber like Rom. I, I know you mentioned, and as we move into DJ here at, at, at 15 to 1, you mentioned that, uh, and Brooks, obviously, you know, and Bryson, four very long hitters. You, you said down the fairways at, at Tory, uh, the rough is actually, actually going to be more grown out uh, uh, for longer hitters. Can you give us some insight on that? Yeah, so, you know, Torrey Pines South course, San Diego, obviously fantastic weather. USGA is going to get the course exactly how they want it, okay? We have – it's like every year it's like, oh, let's take a picture of the rough – or let's take a video of the rough, drop a ball in it, and watch it disappear. It's like, okay, this is a – you know, this is like pulling the rabbit out of the hat for the hundredth time in a row. We get it. The rough's thick. It's the U.S. Open. The thing that you kind of referred to is, from what I've heard, the USGA is going to try to – equalize a little bit of the the bomb and gouge that Bryson did last year at Wingfoot, right? He's just hitting it as far as he possibly can so he can hit wedges out of this, you know, out of the rough and hit it onto the green. This year, from what I've heard, they're going to actually have the rough kind of tapered back. It's the thickest around the greens. And then as you get further away from the green, it gets a little bit um, more playable. So I think that will serve as a bit of an equalizer between the guys that hit at 350 versus 300. And um, that's just something to look at, right? Our last five U.S. Open winners, DJ, Brooks twice, Gary Woodland, and, and Bryson. So in terms of how the U.S. Open has been set up the last couple of years, obviously preferences longer hitters. This isn't – I don't think it's going to be one of those tournaments where we have Rocco Mediate in 08. Uh, competing with Tiger Rocco is you know stepping on one to hit it 265 so I don't think I don't think that kind of player is even in the field let alone going to be able to compete but uh it seems like you know what the USGA should do and well do you kind of agree with this you know no matter who you are you kind of should be able to compete in the tournament if you kind of play your game and I think it's one of those things where Bryson just swinging as hard as he possibly can with no plan, right? Or just get it as far up as it can kind of takes away the mental strain of a normal U.S. Open. Okay, I need to hit it here. I need to hit it here. I need to hit it here. It's more mentally grueling. Guys will say on tour, it's more mentally grueling than it is physically this week versus, you know, most of the other tournaments. Moving down the list of favorites with Brooks at 18 to 1, I think I've given up trying to figure out why he can't make a cut where Chesson Hadley and Garrett Kigo, uh, you know, are going head to head. But I think he's kind of made it clear that uh, he's not going to compete in any other events besides majors. He's yeah. Wh- whether it's a, a, a mental block or just something he just does not care about. Um, he's obviously has a proven track record in, in us opens four top tens in his last seven um, and 13 top tens in his last major start. So as far as picking the place, you know, bet accordingly when it comes to Brooks. But one thing I wanted to add to that, uh, Will, is we're getting him at, you know, 18 to one, right? Um, his last six, or his last couple starts are win 38th, second MC, MC, 
second at the PGA MC. So he's either, I mean, he's kind of like a coin flip. He's either going to contend or he's going to miss the cut. So in terms of getting him a number like 18 to one, I actually don't really mind, you know, that number at all in terms of the fact that normally the market is going to re- overreact a little bit to a miscut. Granted, it was at Congaree on a tough course, missed by two. There's a couple different scenarios where that works out and he makes the cut on the number, has a good weekend and finishes top 10. And then all of a sudden his odds are, you know, close to ROM, you know, certainly better than DJ. So the fact that you're getting him at 18 to one, I don't mind at all. Rory McIlroy, also 18 to one, uh, 2011 U.S. Open champion winner. I, I feel like Rory should be getting a little more buzz than he has this week, uh, you know, going over to Poe. He's, He's great at Torrey Pines. He's second in strokes gained um, over the last 10 years there. You know, out, out of this group of 10 to 11 favorites, uh, you know, as far as a high rough, a high rough player, someone that can win in long high rough US Open, I kind of narrow it down to Bryson and Rory. One thing that Rory obviously has going for him, he has a win earlier this year at Wells Fargo. Other than that, has been pretty under the radar all year. Uh I love Rory at any place but Augusta. That seems to kind of be his kryptonite ever since that uh, final round 80 where he hit the biggest snipe in Masters history on 10 tee box into the uh, the den there, you know? So, um, yeah, when he when he did that, you could actually see houses at Augusta National, which, like, there's no houses on the golf course. He hit it so far left. It's like you're in cabins. Yes. And, you know, kind of talking about Rory and why, you know, I like him this week at uh, – 18 to one. I saw some other spots where he's 20 to one. Uh, it's one of those things where it's us open. The greens are going to be firm and he is one of the highest ball hitters on tour. He can hoist four irons. Like people can hoist their wedges. You know, I saw him this year at uh waste management hitting balls in the range. And I swear when he was hitting drivers and three irons and four irons, he would literally hit a shot. And the hang time felt like it was in the air for 25 seconds. He could, you know, set his, you know, set his phone up, FaceTime his wife, make sure the baby's doing okay, and then still be able to watch the ball land. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe throw one back to waste management as well. Xander Shafley, also 18 to one, uh, has an incredible <clears throat> U.S. Open record, hasn't played uh great at the farmer's insurance at Tory, but four top tens uh four four top tens in a row at u.s opens um which he's kind of greatly turned around uh since the beginning of his career um mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not taking any of xander this week he, he's kind of off my radar a little bit obviously an incredible talent and one of the best players in the world i just i don't have him in my lineups or picks this week yeah, and I, I think one of those things that it depends, right? It can be going – it's a bit of a – he's kind of the home team this week, right? He's he's from that San Diego kind of area. He went to San Diego State. You know, I read some articles about talking about with him. I've been wanting to play in this tournament once they told me it was going to be at uh, Torrey Pines. So, obviously, one of the favorites coming into the event, but also – man, there's going to be, you know, a lot of people in the crowds that he knows. He probably got, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people out there. And it's one of those things where, well, as you know, if you're playing a 
if you're a bass, you're uh, let's say you're a basketball player and you, let's say you play for Duke and you're from Texas and you're, you're, you're back in town, right? There's a couple more, you're, you're coming back home to Texas. There's a couple more distractions that week than there would normally be. So, um, you know, kind of going into what you talked about, Xander obviously has a bit of a comfortability on the golf course. He's played there a lot. And I think, you know, more importantly, looking at what he's done kind of recently, uh, like you talked about, top six finishes in his last four U.S. Opens. And the other thing is he's recently switched to the anchored, or they call it in, they call it not anchored, but the oh, putter, right? So shit. he's got the putter up the forearm and he, his kind of thought process on it is, Hey, if they're going to allow this, I'm going to do it because it's one of those things where you can absolutely get that putter locked into your forearm and, you know, progressive commercial. It's so easy. A caveman can do it. It's so easy to start the ball online with those putters. So, uh, while they're still legal, he's said, you know, he's going to take advantage of it. And that's one of the things his whole team kind of freaked out about. It's like, you're sixth in putting this year. Why are you doing that? And he's like, I feel like I can be the best putter with it. So um, that's obviously kind of an interesting, you know, under, uh, you know, a smaller story heading into this week is him kind of switching to that. And Bryson is also another guy who's using that same technique. Yeah, it's interesting you you mentioned about like how tough kind of, you know, every other sport, like everyone wants to be at home and golf. I feel like home tournaments are, are, you know, they add so much pressure. I remember a couple of years ago at the open when, when uh, Tommy Fleetwood went back home to Royal Burkdale, that type of pressure was even, you know, more magnified than, than, you know, American players playing their home events. I just feel like across the pond, uh, you know, these players are kind of going from club to club throughout their junior amateur career. So there, mm. they, there's just a lot more of a following at the amateur level. I, I feel like the crowds that were following Fleetwood at Birkdale were, were almost overwhelming for someone who, you know, I feel like the way Fleetwood was playing back then was kind of equivalent to Xander now in, in mm-hmm. a sense. I know Xander's a much more well-rounded player than Tommy, but uh, kind of just an overwhelming crowd for, you know, obviously how tough the feat is of, of, of who you're playing against. Um, yeah. in the in the event but maybe a couple bryson notes before we move on to uh justin thomas at 23 to 1 yeah so you know bryson obviously defending champion right he just what he win by six shots last year uh at Wingfoot and was just at just hitting missiles go you know hitting it and going to find it and then chopping it up on the green so what it sounds like is the setup is going to be um, anti Bryson, anti Bryson, right? Uh, I don't know if they're going to be yelling Brooksy. I don't know. I don't know if the USGA is going to be yelling Brooksy in his backswing, but uh, it seems like with the setup, they're going to be trying to limit the, you know, they want to put a premium on hitting fairways, right? The thing that's so important about thick, rough, firm greens Pretty much every week in the way strokes gains worked, the closer you are to the green, the better. The thing that's different at U.S. Opens is when you have the thick rough and the firm greens, if you're, let's say, 70 yards away in a thick lie to, you know, a, a small Torrey Pines firm green, you've got no chance to hold that green landing it on. So that's one of those things where Bryson, I'm interested to see what his game plan is. Is he just going to absolutely just launch driver everywhere? Or is he going to start to realize, you know, I'm going to give up 30, 40 yards back off the tee here. So then I can get spin on my second shot coming into the green from the fairway. Cause that's 
it's really what it comes down to is controlling your golf ball. And it's a lot harder to do out of the thick rough. Yeah. And I, I think when we kind of move farther down the list in the DraftKings, uh, certainly someone to lead a team for us. So for many us opens to come, uh, Bryson DeChambeau is obviously uh, a great pick for that. Uh, moving into our last couple of favorites, Justin Thomas, uh, 23 to one. I, I think in the same sense of Rory, um, a bit curious to why JT hasn't had a little bit more love this week. He's had, you know, two top tens at this tournament in his last, in the last four years. I know we talked about this a little bit before the pod, but as far as the top 15 in the world from T to green, he, he can compete with the best as we know. You know, I was doing a little research yesterday and it just seems like how, how under the radar was it that he just like won the players? I completely forgot. about that. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it, it was kind of like, it was almost like Bryson's win. I mean, I know, you know, Bryson's wins was extraordinary last year at Wingfoot, but like, I just feel like, you know, pandemic tour events, you know, fell so hard under the radar. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see, you know, at least up until we, we got a hundred percent of the crowd back. Like, I just feel like some of these events, like they, they, they went straight under the radar, like more Kawa's Harding Park PGA win. Like it's just, it, it seems like, you know, obviously COVID was such a blur. It's just things went by so fast. Yeah. I think that's a smooth transition into Morikawa at 25 to one. All right. He's number one in strokes gained T to green this year. And he's one of those guys where, you know, he's only five, seven, you know, five, seven, that's probably is at, you know, five, eight, that's probably his NBA height, you know, with shoes on. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of, so obviously, you know, you're only going to hit it so long. He's I'd say middle of the pack in terms of driving distance, but like we said, in terms of, hitting fairways, hitting, you know, your long irons close. We've got 10 par fours over 450 this week. So you're going to be hitting driver seven iron, three wood, five iron type shots. And that just kind of lends its way into uh, a guy like Morikawa, where last year it's just like, wait, Morikawa is winning a major. You know, it's a, it, he's one of those guys when he's on, it's just so effortless and it's almost like, Man, if he's on top of his game, just like this year at uh, the WGC at concession, it's kind of over. And gaining 2.8 strokes per round uh, from TD Green over the past couple of months, that, you know, that's almost indicating that, you know, he, he's kind of, you know, one of the top five favorites in the field as far as a track like this. Before we get on to our picks, last one, he's just outside the top 10 but one that I, I certainly want to get my money in on at, at Tory is Patrick Reed, who finished fourth in the U.S. 2018. I think that there, there's there's just there's obviously with the with a ton of focus coming in on on Brooks and Bryson. I would love for Patrick Reed to find his way into a Brooks and Bryson pairing over the weekend. Obviously, a ton of things have to go right, but. Uh, kind of the magnitude of, of the moment w would really kick in. I feel like if we, if we got that, that three ball. Yeah. And he, he won the farmer's insurance uh, this year, right. On the same golf course. A lot of people are like, Oh, I don't believe in course history or oh, I don't believe in, you know, us open obviously is going to set up the golf course differently than the, than the PJ tour did. I think he won with, you know, 16, 17, 18 under something like that. Obviously that's not, that score isn't going to be, close to what you know wins the u.s open but 
it's the same golf course. It's the same lines off the tee. Um, obviously, around the greens, things are going to play a little bit differently. But a guy like Patrick Reed with that short game and all he needs to shoot is kind of keep it around par. Uh, yeah, uh, he is a, definitely a decent look this week. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really curious. The, the course history thing, I just feel like as a, as a former player, I know maybe statistically it doesn't matter, but I know you so, – some player insight, you know, this, mm-hmm. course, this course history fiasco. When you go back to a course that you were at the year before and you got some good mojo, like let's say wherever you were playing yet, wherever you were playing yesterday, when you when you go back to that course in two weeks, it, there's certainly a feel a, a feel of comfort and sensibility that you obviously know you can get the job done there. Yeah, it's, and it's one of those things where I actually last I don't know it might be a little bit of a curse. I should probably change my uh, local U.S. Open. Uh, qualifying site but i go to the same course every year i've missed it uh the last three years by one shot so um obviously i've played okay on it and i actually like the golf course and i keep going back to that spot because i'm like you know one shot away but it's it's like anything right it's um a little bit of you know if you've hit some bad shots on a course or on a on a particular hole you're gonna have some demons when you stand up on that tee next and you know vice versa if you've won an event there if you played well there you know in your amateur history and your junior history you just kind of get to the course and you might be a little more comfortable um on certain tee shots on you know i think it's one of those things where it kind of depends on the guy you know and golf this isn't like track and field this isn't usain bolt you're fast or you're not there's so many mental things and hurdles that and obstacles that kind of lead into you know a golfer's mindset that you know, if you can have a bit of a comfortability on a golf course, I definitely am going to bring that into account when I'm uh, looking at these bets. Let's roll into our picks at Tory Pines. I'll start it off. Uh, bets to place. Uh, my first one, Cameron Smith, top 10 at plus 400. Um, and, and my second one is Mark Leishman, top 20 at plus 240. Um, I'm going to tie these in together just because these are two outstanding drivers of the golf ball. Uh, Leishman has struggled a bit with the iron play, but, um, you know, once again this week, I'm, I'm looking heavily into the tee shot, um, especially if they're going to lengthen that rough down the farther stretches of the fairway. Uh, Cam Smith has been um, a top two driver in the world uh, this year, right below uh, Sung J.M. Uh, so, so those are my uh, two picks to place. Yeah, and so I have a couple picks to place. Um, I have Patrick Reed top ten plus two fifty. Guys, it's a U.S. Open. Realistically, the USGA is trying to get a winning score of two three under. That means top ten. If you're hanging around that two three four over, you're pretty much right in the mix there. Uh, another guy have. So that's Patrick Reed, top 10, plus 250. And then I have Morikawa, top 10, plus 250. So I'm going to put both of these in. I only need one of these to hit to make money. Um, that's my kind of little two-part bet there. And it's one of those things where Patrick Reed's short game is going to keep him in this tournament. You know, whether if he has a bad ball striking day or a good ball striking day, his hands are magic, okay? This guy can literally get up and down out of a dumpster. So in terms of him being out there and all the Pat- you're telling me Patrick Reed just needs to keep it between two, three, four over and, you know, 
certainly could be a guy who's in the in the mix all weekend. That paired with Morikawa, I just kind of like that, you know, a little bit two for one. And I could see many scenarios where both those hit. My other kind of pick to place is this is a little bit out of left field. So we got Matt Wolf top 20 plus 850. Uh, so the comeback train. The comeback the comeback, train. The comeback train, right? It's I think it starts at the US Open. So in terms of Matt, you know. I know it was a Bryson show last year, but Matt Wolf was in the final group, finished second last year at the US Open. It's one of those things that we kind of talked about. Probably, even though he's been struggling all year, it seems like he has more, you know, did not finishes than top tens, right? But in terms of uh, sometimes going to a really difficult golf course, Will, it's if you're just focused is so into, okay, I need to hit this fairway, this green. You know, when par is a good score, it's a little bit different than, you know, going out to some of these uh, fire festivals where you got to, you know, you got to shoot five, six hundred just to make the cut, right? The cut line realistically could be between five and six over. So if Matt Wolf does that, right, he is, you know, certainly in the mix at top 20 plus 850. I just feel like that's really great value on a guy that's obviously been struggling, but as we know, has the game. He just needs to find it. And also with Wolf going to Tory, you know, I know he's been on the struggle train. Uh, I feel like this is a place that, you know, you can spray it a little bit, you know, am I off there or. So you you can, and he is so deep. People do not understand how long he is. I know when they, they did the, uh, you know, it might've been like a year ago now or uh, during COVID and they're doing the, uh, the charity event at Seminole and they're doing long drives and Wolf is just like, pumping it by DJ and everyone's like, what is going on? So uh, it's one of those things where, you know, he's a guy who's just got so much talent. If I can get him top 20 at plus 850, oh my God, I just have to jump on that. And moving into, uh, well, I have one more, we could call this a pick to place, one more pick before my dark horse, a top French player. There's two French players in the field. Paul Barjon and Victor Perez. I'm taking Paul Barjon at plus 175 um, over Victor Perez. Uh, Barjon's top three in Corn Ferry uh, on, on the Corn Ferry money list this year, and he's going to get his card. He's been playing some unbelievable golf. Not to say Victor Perez hasn't. Went very far in the, w, in the WGC match play, uh, but I'm taking Paul Barjon plus 175 over Victor Perez. Uh, into my dark horse, uh, I'm taking Jason Kokrath plus 66 to one. Uh, one of the most consistent little cuts on tour. Um, I, I really like him this week. Yeah, I mean, my dark horse, I have Gary Woodland, right? So, you know, he won the U.S. Open at Pebble a couple years ago. Uber talented. You know, kind of a fun fact is he played basketball. He's, I think he walked on at University of Kansas and then uh, played for a smaller school in Kansas. So obviously an athlete. Hits it extremely far. He's one of those guys where, first of all, I mean, if you go on YouTube and look up some Gary Woodland, uh, some Gary Woodland stingers, you better kind of oh, have some, some clean it. You better some have some trashes around you, right? Yeah, some, <laughs> a little bit of trash porn. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Of, yeah, exactly. But he's one of those guys too. You know, just looking at golf swings in particular, he gets so much lag, so much. Um, he hits down the golf ball so much. So, given the fact that he's going to be in you know, extremely thick, rough occasionally, he certainly has an advantage compared to most players where he can go down after some golf balls and, you know, dig some sh- shots out of the, the knee high rough that a lot of guys can't. So getting him at 90 to one former U S open 
champion. Um, I just really like that dark horse. Yeah, and another note about Woodland was I kind of heard, you know, earlier last week that the USGA had a plan to to pair Bryce Brooks, and then the way the past champion pairing would go, uh, Woodland would be in there, and kind of heard through the grapevine Woodland wanted nothing to do with that. James, your thoughts on we love hype and, and, and getting pumped up. Let's say you're in Woodland shoes. What's your, you know, what would your perception be if, if you did get paired with Brooks and Bryce? And obviously it'd be somewhat of a treat, uh, you know, compared to, to Gary's view on it. You know, he's looking to win, you know, another U.S. Open. But far, far as from a yeah. distraction standpoint, you know, what, what would your comfortability be with that? Yeah, I mean, it's like, I guess you'd almost be the ref in like the uh, Logan Paul Mayweather kind of fight, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, but it's, it's like your Chad Johnson. Yeah, exactly. I think it's one of those things where, you know, as much as the media kind of plays into this beef and, you know, certainly according to everything we've kind of read and seen, they don't get along, but it's the U.S. Open. These guys are going to be focusing on their golf balls, on their games. Uh, I don't think you'd see, you're going to really see as much, you know, back and forth. It's not like these guys, like this isn't a uh, Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson, you know, scramble match or something you know what i'm saying uh this is a big deal it's the u.s open at tory pines i think you know given the fact that such a big tournament uh i really don't think it would actually be that much of a distraction it's interesting though how it kind of worked out right it's like the usga is like asking if these tea times are okay with the players and it's like at what point are we just you know, I know, of course, we want to have some featured groups so we can watch some guys at certain times or during the prime time hours and stuff. But, you know, it's still a golf tournament. Uh, unless you're Tiger, you shouldn't be choosing, hey, I like uh, Friday a.m. and or sorry, I like Thursday a.m. Friday afternoon because of the weather. Right. It's like let's uh, let's let's have the chips fall as they may and not really be catering too much. To these players, which are already kind of divas anyway. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think, uh, you know requesting pairings on top of this this pga tour social media fund uh it's a hair too much Uh, yeah this isn't this this isn't a mini tour event where i have a a dentist appointment at 1 p.m and need that 7 a.m tea time you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah hey christian i i got things to do i got things to do the rest of the day all right well so who do you have for your outright win picks this year at tory Okay, so uh, my first one is Daniel Berger, fifty to one. Uh, I, I feel like uh, Boogie's been playing some some unbelievable golf. Uh, well, I wouldn't say unbelievable. I'd say he's trending um, in the right direction, and, and has had quite a bit of rust since his last his last start at the Charles Schwab, uh, doing pretty much everything well except uh, strokes gained around the greens. Hasn't been ideal this year, but I'm looking for Boogie to 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 be puring, to be absolutely puring the ball and, and, and hopefully take it home this week. Yeah. So then, I mean, I know we don't really like taking favorites too much, but I just love Brooks this week and, you know, getting him at 18 to one after a miscut. I just, you know, I think if you would have had a good week last week, we're getting him at, you know, 13 to one, 14 to one kind of area. So I just see that little bit of value there. Brooks is a guy where, you know, He's had some situ- you know, he's had some interviews where he's like, yeah, I don't practice. 
right? So I'm not worried about him missing a cut, you know, given the fact that even when he won the waste management this year, he had come, come off three missed cuts in a row. So I think you're getting him at that little bit of extra value there, 18 to one. And uh, it's one of those things where, man, if I don't have money on him and he ends up uh, closing it out this week, I just kind of be uh, kicking myself. So I got Brooks at 18 to one, and that's what I'm going with for my first one. How about your next one, Will? Yeah, so my next one is my home state favorite. I'm going with Jordan Spieth. Uh, 16 to one ranks first on tour strokes can't see the green but uh, another trending factor uh, you know as far as you know what burger's doing speed's doing at times 10 and has yeah. had so many close calls third he's third at the masters ninth at the byron heartbreaking uh you know second place finish at the charles swab uh, and then a decent finish at the memorial uh but jordan's playing all around good golf i just feel like you know, it's any tournament now as far as a win goes, and 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 I think he gets another major here at Tory. And then for my uh, next win pick, I have uh, Tyrrell Hatton at fifty to one, right? So he's coming off a T two last week. He uh, he led the field in strokes gained last week, and then coming into this week, uh, coming into this week, just he's seventeenth in strokes gained T to green uh, on the year. So obviously a great ball striker. He's one of those guys where you know, of the hot heads on the PJ tour, he certainly ranks up there. So I put the, uh, destroying a T marker at probably like plus two fifty for Tyrrell. Um, but also get, he's just a great player. And it's one of those things where if he can just keep mentally in it, guys, this is what's about this week. It's so much different than, uh, any other week on tour par is a good score. Okay. So someone like a Tyrrell being able to overcome an early double and keep his head in it. He has the talent to do it. It's just, to me, it's just a mental thing with Tyrrell kind of your thoughts on that. Will. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, uh, you know, it, it, the four day, you know, us open stretch, I think is one of the, the, you know, a tournament that you have to grind the most as far as major goes, you know, I think obviously, when bad weather is presented at the British, um, it's up there. But same goes for U.S. as far as winds um, and, and other conditions on the West Coast. I know uh, we were talking about this earlier this week. This is one of the best spots uh, as far as weather goes on the West Coast. My, my final pick to win, I think, kind of it ties in with the, the Tyrell focus factor and, and being a bit of a hothead. I'm going with talk, uh, Patrick Reed at 35 to 1, um, another Texas guy. Uh, Texas biasness is what I'm here for. Uh, but seriously, I, I think uh, Patrick Reed, you know, another six at Wells Fargo, uh, 17th at the PGA, and then fifth at Memorial. And I really look at that um, event at Memorial as a sign that he's ready to go. Uh, I just feel like, obviously, Memorial way shorter than, well, I guess Jack added a little distance, but typically a little shorter than a normal U.S. Open venue. I just feel like the premium of hitting fairways there um, and staying out of the rough kind of replicates, um, you know, kind of some U.S. Open prep. So I'm going Patrick Reed uh, 35 to one for my final pick. Yeah. And uh, for my final pick, I have Tommy Fleetwood at uh, 80 to one in his last five starts in the U.S. Open. He has uh, a fourth place and a second place. So I think his game certainly when he's on catered to a U.S. Open, right? Elite ball striker. And he's just, he's one of those guys where it seems like he seems to play well in big events. I remember a couple of years ago and that he had a chance to kind of win the 
the PGA over at Aaron Hills as well. Um, and he's one of those guys who the last couple weeks and months hasn't shown this unbelievable form, but that's why I kind of like this pick. I can get him at 80 to one versus 40 to one. He, uh, his best finish this year is like a, is a tied 10th in the, in the WGC match play. So it's, he's not exactly setting the world on fire, but the fact that I can get Fleetwood at odds like that, where I think, you know, when he's on his game, he's 40 to one. So um, I just love Fleetwood this week. And he's just a guy that looks good. Kind of, you can see with the hair flowing and lifting that US Open. Yeah, I, I can already see it. Yes. And the winds of Tory, just that lettuce flowing. Exactly. Exactly. With a nice little sweater vest on or something. And he's built for it. Oh, pure. Either, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think he's always, he's kind of either, he kind of does the Scheffler, either white or black hat every day. Um, yeah. I respect Tommy that he doesn't try to go like way out like Brooks Kepka flowers all over the shirt. Uh, keeps oh it nice and classy. Just imagine like a black on white Tommy Fleawood and like a obviously the red and black for P. Reed uh, walking down the walking down the stretch on Sunday. Um, a pairing I wouldn't be too too upset about. But um, moving into DraftKings lineups, Led Led is one and zero against me. Uh, once again, to recap. 311 for lead last week, 303 for me. Uh yeah. lead, who's your who's your winning lineup this week? Yeah, so it's one of those things I, you know, I was talking about with you, uh, Doc, after we picked our lineup, is it seems like the salary cap's way bigger this week or something, but there's obviously just so many good players playing that you can get, you know, solid players that uh a little bit uh better value. So I have um Brooks Kepka. You know, Colin Morikawa, Tyrrell Hatton, Joaquin Neiman, Lee Westwood, and Brandon Grace. My little kind of nugget I have in there is Lee Westwood. People forget that in the 2008 U.S. Open, when um, Tiger took down his, as they called him, pool boy, Rocco Mediate, in the, uh, in, the, in the playoff, that before Tiger sunk the 10-footer and did the biggest fist pump of all time, double clutch, Westwood actually had a 10 footer to get into that playoff that he'd left short. So, uh, you know, definitely obviously a chip on the shoulder guy this week. And uh, Westwood's another guy who's really been trending the right direction the last couple months or so. He had that stretch at the uh, Bay Hill Honda players where I think he, I know he finished top 10 in all of them, but you know, he contended in all of them. So another guy is a great ball striker, just got married. And uh, yeah. So uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. But yeah, uh, yeah, I guess the 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 caddy is uh, his wife now uh, has a little more. She's a little, a little more job security going forward. So, you know, yeah, she'll, she'll hopefully it, she doesn't get loose with those numbers. Yeah, it'd be interesting to look over like the married factor. I know like Spieth gets a bad rap. He got married and like started playing bad for a stretch. It, it was just bad timing, though. Nothing yeah. So what's in. the what's the thought process on that? It's like have a kid. You win, get married is not a good thing right or that's kind of uh, what... yeah I, I feel like rory's kind of done it the right way in, in a sense um yeah. even even though i think maybe getting a jacket before the first kid who knows yeah a little bit of stress that... factor down hey phil did win <laughs> phil did uh you know he started winning majors when he was in his 30s I, I i you know we can get into rory at the masters another day but my lineup heading into this week first i roll with with d 
Uh, I'm going with P. Reed at second, one of my picks to win. Uh, Justin Rose, who been some time since since he, he's contended in a major, but I feel like really heading into really finding some good form heading into the U.S. Cameron Smith, who um, probably the most consistent player in my group as far as um, who I'm expecting to finish in the top ten. Uh, these last two picks on my lineup, um, very huge miscut factors. Uh, but as far as, you know, my first four picks were, were, were so, were so strong, um, that kind of had to settle. So going with Phil Mickelson for my second to last guy. Um, and then last is Rafa Cabrera Bello, who only has one top 10 on the year. Uh, and actually I believe missed the cut at the Palmetto last week, uh, 37th at the Memorial, uh, 32nd at Charles Schwab. Um, I'm really looking for him to find it this week. Uh, I, I think he, you know, as far as from Ryder Cups to other majors, I feel like Cabrera Bello really steps up on, on some tougher venues. Yeah, that's a solid lineup. I'm looking to go 2-0, but, man, that is a solid lineup. We haven't even talked about Phil. Phil, for me, is, you know, he's either contending or emceeing. He's kind of a bit of an all-or-nothing guy, right? Yeah, he might be, you know, we're going to find out here in the next couple of weeks, but I have a feeling Phil might be, like, the worst guy ever to take on a drafting lineup. I just feel – I feel really suspect about this one, but, um, you know, a couple weeks off, and I think Phil's feeling good, you know, as far as, you know, I know he was struggling with the focus factor – uh, back on the West Coast this week. Um, good vibes rolling for Phil, and and I can't be the guy that decided not to take him before he won his first U.S. Open. So uh, hopefully some good vibes rolling for for Phil this week. Okay, let's uh, we're gonna round off the pod here with our pick of the week, uh, our pick that we like the most. Um, I will start it off. You know, I'm I'm my pick of the week is someone that still only has corn fairy tour status and Paul Barjon plus 175 over Victor Perez, a little French battle. Paul is just playing spectacular golf. Uh, you know, when, when people in the States kind of get to watch him a little more, they're going to find out that he has that kind of bomb factor that um, a wolf DeChambeau, uh, he hits it within those depths. So, uh, I really like Paul Barjon plus 175 over Victor Perez, the French matchup. For me, my best pick of the week is a, you know, it's a two-part situation. It's Patrick Reed top 10 plus 250 and Morikawa top 10 plus 250. Do both of those. If both of them hit, great. If one of them hit, you're making money. And that's just what I like this week. And uh, a scenario where both those guys finish outside the top 10 is pretty rare. So that's just kind of what I'm going with. Kind of your thoughts on that, Will, in terms of, you're not hedging your bet, but it's definitely a, a, a two-part situation where, you know, two out of three scenarios are great, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, for me with with kind of the biggest factor with my uh, my pick of the week, Victor Perez has been playing some unbelievable golf, um, you know, went very far in the WGC match play, um, has, some, has some good major finishes this week. And this is, you know, virtually Paul's uh, – Paul's played in PGA tour events, but, you know, kind of his first big stage to where he knows like, okay, next year, like I'm going to be on tour, like should probably start getting comfortable um, in these majors. If that's even possible, a lot of confidence in, in, in him. And, and 
basically it really comes down to that tee ball. I really think he, he can overpower any golf course that he gets on. And it's, you know, the things with these U.S. Open, right, is the USGA sets these courses up where you can shoot a first round 75 and still be in it on Sunday. You know, like if you make the cut on the number and you're five, six over and the leads at two under, you are in the golf tournament, which is kind of a cool thing. And I think lends itself to a couple of these, you know, long shot top 20 type situations where you have a Matt Wolf at plus 850 for top 20. If he makes a cut, he is still right in thick of it with one good round, you know? So uh, I think, you know, our, our viewers should definitely take a look at all these kind of top 20 guys, knowing it's going to be a very congested leaderboard and really one good round on the weekend can get you right in there. I love it, James. So, so that's gonna, that's gonna wrap it up for us for the, uh, our, our uh, U.S. Open preview. We, we enjoyed talking with you all today and, and next week will be, uh, a little traveler's preview. Uh, so we look forward to doing that. James, thank you very much. I enjoyed it today. Yeah, you got it, Will.